Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Praise His name. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and then we're going to quickly go to Ezekiel chapter 27. And I want to share with you something different. And I believe, though, it is a, a word that everybody in this room can use. I want God to use me. I don't know about you, but I'm still available. Think of Isaiah when God needed somebody. He said, here am I, send me. So today I want to talk to you about how God wants to use you. 
in two ways that he wants to use you. In the church, in your family, in your business, in life in general, these two areas that I'm going to talk about God using people, you may find yourself absolutely being used mightily of God if you'll be open to what I'm going to share. The first one is in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 in verse 23, and this is what it says. It says, there were the potters. Everybody say the potters. And they were the ones who dwelt among plants and hedges. <laughs> there they dwelt with the king for his work. If you read that verse in its entirety that I wouldn't take time to do, but it lists all these important people, these powerful people, these mighty people, things that they were doing that were so uh, incredible and visible and notable and, 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 and all struck, struck things that they were able to do. And right toward the end of it, I love that the word of God notices simply the potters. And notice they dwelled among plants. They were in the background. They, if you wouldn't even know they were there, you could just see their ball cap working behind the shrubbery or they were, they were, among the plants and the hedges, kind of hid. And then the other verse that I want to share is in Ezekiel 27, the ancients of Jabal, and the wise men thereof were in thee thy caulkers. And then he starts talking about the ships. Strains that the Bible so detailed Many times when we think about people that God uses, we think about the heroes, Abraham and Isaac and Samson and David, the mighty Gideon, the powerful Deborah and Esther. And there's only one of one Esther and one Deborah and one Abraham. You, you just don't see multitudes of people like them. Their faith can almost intimidate us. Their achievements can almost make us feel like we could never measure up to the greatness that those men and women have reached. But there are many also unsung heroes in the background, in the shadows of scriptures. As a matter of fact, anytime you see any of these great men or women that I just mentioned in the forefront, in the limelight, in the, on the stage of life, doing something that is affecting history and multitudes of people, there's other people who are in the shadows and in the background that you may not be aware of. And I thank God that he uses us all to do his will. And in the text that I read, there's a potters that are mentioned that dwelt with the king. Without the potters, certain things would not have, he was preparing a huge party. He was having the most honored guests coming from all over the world. But he takes time to mention, the scripture does, the potters, the people who took clay and, and water and formed vessels that could be used to serve the food and make basins that would hold the candles to give light to the king's palace. And the, the, they made the, the cups and the chalices that the wine would be poured in. The king would not be able to entertain the guest and change their lives with his, with his presence if it was not 
for people who did what they could do with their hands in the hedges and among the plants. They were never in the dining room. They were never in the palace. They were never in the bright lights. They were just potters. And then he talks about ships and he's saying that it's the caulkers. You know what a caulker is? Y'all know what a caulker is? How many of you know what a caulking is? Yeah. One who seals up, takes sealant and seals up uh, 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 sheetrock or seals up a boat if it starts to leak. And God says these people are worth mentioning and immortalizing in the scripture. It's interesting that when you read the Bible, you begin to see that Israel, when they would move forward to take the promised land, there were 12 tribes and the first tribe that was commanded every time God set an order and they had to follow the strict order that when they were moving into new territory, it was the tribe of Judah that went first and Judah means praise. So when Judah goes first, when Judah goes out first, then victory. When Judah's on the way, victory's on the way. And when Judah would go, everybody would see that they're coming into the promised land and they're doing great things. But I've often thought about the second or the third or the fourth tribe. And maybe after a few hours, after, you know, everybody made a big deal about Judah. And Judah is the praise. They're the worshipers. They're the singers. They're the people on the platform. They're the people that everybody sees. But what about that pitiful 12th tribe? Seven hours later, there's only a few people still clapping and they're showing up, and it's the tribe of Dan. But it's important that somebody has to be in the back of the line. Somebody has to be back there for the weak and the feeble and the worn out, the stragglers that are about to give up. Somebody has to be at the back of the line saying, you can't quit, you can't give up, you can't fail here. Get up and keep going, you're going to make it. And I thank God for the people in the back of the line. We need people. We need Danites in the church, in this church, who are encouragers to people who are about to fall out of the way. Encouraging your family to not give up. Encouraging people. Everybody is important in the kingdom. Not just the preacher. Not just the singer. You're important to revival. You're important to soul winning. Every single person is important. And God said, I want there to be two kinds of people always present in families, in homes, and in churches. I want potters. Potters. Potters who begin to take the next generation, your children, your family, and you put your hands on them. A potter's job was to find the clay. And once he found the clay, he would begin to mold that clay. He would take water and he would begin to smooth out the clay and get the lumps out and put it on the wheel. And he would begin to work and make that clay into a vessel that could be used at the king's table. Who are the potters? The potters are youth workers in the church that see young people and Man, their moms and dads who still believe in their teenagers when they mess up because they will do dumb things. And they'll do it over, and they'll do it over, and they'll do it over and over again. 
but you just keep putting your hands on them. You're the potter in their life and you keep shaping them and you keep molding them and you keep pouring into them. You keep believing in them and you keep encouraging them. Don't you give up on them. You keep loving them. You keep telling them you're special. I'm telling you, God's got his hand on your life. We're called to be potters. I thought about people who work with youth are potters. Parents are potters. I thought about these musicians are potters because a great musician, like the, all these musicians, are great musicians. They're not average. They're not normal. They're above the cut. They, can, they, they could be playing anywhere. But a great musician will see another musician and begin to use that clay and form that clay and say, now let me show you how you move from that chord to this and really fatten things up. And that song, that chord right there will fit right beautifully out of that. That's what a man did to me when I started playing the piano. I couldn't play the piano and I learned it in one summer. There was a man in my dad's church who played piano and he, he just saw the talent. He saw I could play the sax and he knew I had music in me. And he said, let me teach you some chords and he showed me three chords and then he showed me one song and I played that and he kept pouring in and said, now take it here. Now let's go to another key. Let me show you how to do this and show you. And it's amazing how that we can raise up a whole nother generation of singers, a whole nother generation of worshipers, a whole nother generation of musicians. You got to do it. We got to do it. We're potters. I thought about business people, that entrepreneur spirit. You don't have to be in the tribe of Judah to be a potter. But what about, what about entrepreneurs? What about people out there who have made it? What about people out there who have built businesses that, that are astounding and, and you've got hundreds of employees and God has done great things in your life, but you also ought to be looking and maybe it's in your own family. Use that gift, that amazing, you think different, you know things that somebody else, you just know it instinctively communicate that, use that, become a potter and pour into them and then tell them your story. And don't forget, don't forget the only reason I made it was because I started giving and tithing and honoring God. And he began to open the windows of heaven and he blessed me and he favored me. Oh, this isn't a commercial for money. I'm not asking that we, we're not going to take an offering. You have to give it if you want to give it. I'm telling you, that's how you shape the next generation for greatness is a potter. Potters brought light to the king's house. The potter didn't seem very important, but without the position of the potter, there would be no party in the king's house. And somebody said, I don't want, I don't have to have the limelight. I'll work behind the hedges. But I don't want the party to go out in the king's house. Too many people need to eat from his table, the bread and the wine, the body of Christ. I want that party to keep going. You know, when you get my age, I don't even care if I preach some big conference. I get invites all the time, but I'd rather raise up two or three anointed preachers like Javon and different ones. And I'd rather see them get up before 20,000 people and preach more than me. Why? Because I've done it, but I get more joy out of seeing them do it. Hallelujah. 
I don't know where I'm going with this sermon, but I feel like shouting right now. Does anybody believe in the next generation? Does anybody believe God has his hand on the next generation? Does anybody believe the young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams and together they will begin to make vessels of honor meet for the master's use? You see, they'll do dumb things. But we can't afford to lose one of our young people. And if we're not going to lose them, we're going to have to have some people that can't just come and hear from the preacher on the sermon and then go away. Somebody's got to be touching their life all week long, shaping their mentality, shaping their spirit, shaping and molding their way of thinking. Potters get involved. Potters get involved in the life of the youth and the next generation. Mold them. God's looking for potters, dads. God's looking for potters, mom. God's looking for potters. A potter says, I, I can't let you go out in that. Let me shape you a little bit in that area. Let me, let me help you a little bit. You know, those friends, let, let, let me, I want to know who, let me look at your phone. Let me see your phone. What you, you ain't got nothing to hide, do you? What are you doing? You're shaping a holy vessel. And then he said, in Ezekiel, he started talking about beautiful ships. I didn't have time to read it. He said they were expensive and gorgeous and beautiful ships. We'd call them yachts. He said the sails were so expensive, they were made out of material, the best material from Egypt. And the, and the boards of the ship came were the cedars from Lebanon that had been imported and all oh, these gorgeous ships. And he's talking about the captain and he's talking about the pilot, which is the captain, talking about all these powerful, important people. And then he says, but he also appointed caulkers down in the hull of the ship. Nobody sees them. They're not up there with the wheel doing Instagram pictures. They're down in the Bottom of the ship, and they're caulkers. Y'all know what a caulker is? Now, they told me, I don't, I'd have never used one of these, and I was trying so hard to get that part off. I wanted to illustrate. I was going to shoot it if it would shoot. I didn't know what it would do. And they said, you cannot do that because if you want, if you want to ruin your outfit, I said, oh, no, Sharice will kill me. Don't do that. But this is a caulker, Right? Is that what it's called? A gun? A conquer gun. And this, is, and this is what we're supposed to be too. Because it doesn't matter how beautiful the ship is. It doesn't matter how beautiful the marriage is. It doesn't matter how beautiful the home is. It doesn't matter how beautiful of a life you've built. You better learn that you have to have caulking because, because they understood the ship is beautiful and it's, what we build is incredible, but it has to be maintained. And so they had people down in the bottom of the ship and all they did was look at 
the cedars of Lebanon, and they looked at those boards, and every once in a while, it would begin to seep with water, and they would caulk it, seal it. They would seal it up from leaking. They would seal it up because they understood that if the ship starts taking on water, it doesn't matter how beautiful it looks outwardly. If it's leaking on the inside, it's a matter of time before it goes down. The caulkers were men, wise men in the ship. And they said, oh no, this ship is going somewhere. And so I, I, need, to, I need to stop the seeping of things from coming in. That's what happened to Noah. God told him to pitch it, called it pitch it. Pitch the ark on the outside and the inside. In other words, I want you to pitch it. I want you to caulk it on the outside to keep some bad stuff from coming in. But I also want you to caulk it on the inside to keep the good stuff from going out. And, and I, we've heard a lot about caulking on the outside so that the bad stuff can't get in. And I'm all for that. Sometimes you need to go through and you need to caulk. What's on the internet? What's coming in? What's on the TV? What's coming in? What kind of music is coming in? What kind of friends are coming in? You need to caulk that. You need to be on top of that. We need some daddies who will be caulkers. We need some mamas who will be caulkers. We need some saints who will be caulkers. That if anybody wants to gossip and cut down and criticize, what I got in the revival is too precious to let you get around me and leak it out. Amen. I'm going to caulk your mouth. We don't need gossip. We need to quit criticizing people. I don't know what's going to happen in the election, but we're not going to bring the election in here. We're going to call that stuff and say we're gathered under one name, the name of Jesus. We don't want that in here. We're here for Jesus. Come on and give me a big amen. We need some talkers. Don't you talk about my preacher. Franklin Jensen is a good man. We ought to have each other's back. We ought not to sit down and be okay with hearing what everybody's saying. And it ought to be true with words and it ought to be true online. I want to tell you something. You need to be careful what you say and you need to be careful what you listen to. Some of you are, have some haters on Instagram or on, on Reddit or whatever and you need to get you a Holy Ghost caulking gun. And you need to just say, you know what? I'm beautiful. I look good. I don't care what they're saying about me. They may be bringing up my past, but I'm going to caulk it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to say, thanks be unto God. I don't have to give myself to that. Don't, don't listen to it. Don't read it. You're a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Caulk it. Somebody shout and say it's the truth. Turn to somebody and say, you need to talk what God's given you in this revival. I'm not going to lose it. You can lose the worship if you want to. You can lose the consciousness of God if you want to. Those of you who got touched in this revival, it can just, you'll just seep it out if you let it. But if you get you a good word and you get you some desire, you can caulk it. And you can keep what God gave you. 
Why don't you praise him right now like you did the third night of the revival? Anybody love the Lord on a Sunday morning and not ashamed? I'm almost done. Nehemiah. Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. Miracle. Built the walls back in 52 days. Incredible. But then he started noticing there's a lot of stuff coming into this city. This is Jerusalem. This is a holy city. Man, they're bringing everything. They're letting everybody in. And then he said, shut the gates. He said, I got a new rule. He said, don't open the gates until the sun gets hot. Because I can't see this foggy stuff. There's a mist and there's fog and we can't tell what we're letting in. So we need to be careful to not just let anything come in. I could see one of those gatekeepers say, well, the little, little town down the road, they, they, they let it get in. He said, well, we're not that little town. We're Jerusalem. We're a holy city. And we're not going to let just anything come in here. I don't care what other churches say it can come into the church now. We, 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 we're not going to ordain immorality. We're not going to put it in the pulpits. We're not going to be a part of that. I'm not ugly, not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you, we're going to stick with the Word of God. We, we're going to go with what God says. And I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of false doctrines and things that are trying to come into the church. A rainbow flag does not belong on a real church that loves Jesus. I, I love the people. The people can come in, but we're going to call that one. We're not going to let that spirit come in to our church. Well, I'm going to withhold my tithe. Well, you wouldn't be the first. And you won't be the last. We need some daddies who will caulk the ship. We need some mamas who will caulk the ship. I've been serving the Lord for over 40 years. And I want you to listen to me. I still need to be careful. And that's why I caught the ship. I don't wait till it gets knee deep. I don't wait till it gets waist deep. When you see things seeping into your life, you better caught that ship. If you see it seeping into your children's life, do everything you can to caught that ship and that boat. Stand up. Caught the boat. These are perilous, serious times. I don't care how beautiful your family is. The enemy would love to kill, steal, and destroy. But if there's somebody that's careful, I guess what I'm trying to say is you still need to be careful. You still need to, to, to be at a place where, where, you, where, you, where you just are discerning right from wrong and being very conscious of God. We need caulkers. We'll wait till we know what is right. Getting weak is not the answer and letting up is not the answer and backing down is not the answer. The boat will not float if you don't keep a spirit of caulking. 
Caulk anger. Caulk unforgiveness. Catch it quick. Don't let it simmer for weeks and months and years. Caulk it. Caulk bitterness. Caulk addiction. Caulk anything that's taken over your life, seeping in, starting to change who you are. You better caulk it. That's my sermon. It's real simple. But the ship floats only because there's caulkers down there. This boat needs more than a captain at the wheel. I'm the captain and I'm under the shepherd, Jesus. But it needs potters who are daily shaping little lives. Raising up a new generation in this church needs desperately. Not me with a list of things, a little list of this is going on and that's going on, but you with discernment and the fear and the love of the Lord stand in anything you see in your life. You start caulking that area with the Word of God. You sealed it. You know, there's a verse in Ephesians I want to close with. It says, after you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation in whom you have believed, you are sealed. You've been caught with the Holy Spirit of promise. How long has it been since you let the Holy Spirit touch you? How long's it been since you let him caught some things that you've gotten loose with? It's not a game in times like these. I think about the young couples in this church. So many of you are struggling, just like Sharice and I have struggled in our marriage from time to time, especially in the younger years, especially when our family had something going on. It brings stress from every direction or the church and everything would seem to hit at once many times. And I can remember not knowing who to turn to, not knowing what to do. But I can tell you after 36 years of being with her that there are, there are potters in this house for your marriage. And there are caulkers in this house who, if you'll listen to them, they're elders, they're wise, they're, they have the counsel of God. And they'll help you seal up some areas where Satan keeps coming in at his own will. And if you'll just let the hands of some of these believers that have been through it and let them lay their hands on you and let them pray for you and let them counsel you. Let them shape you. Let them mold you into that vessel. Caulk up any of the, the broken pieces. I'm so glad he's not just the prince of peace. He's the prince of the pieces. And he says, if you've messed up, I can put it all back together. I've got a plan for your life. And I felt led just to do something different this morning. But God can use you. God can seal you. God can take and form you.
if you'll become the clay in the potter's hands. And I'm going to ask our leaders, our pastors, and I'm going to ask those that are 40 and above to come and stand down here in front of the congregation and face them. We're going to do something different this morning. If you're a leader in the church and altar worker, husbands and wives, come on, come on, 40 and above. Hurry, the king's business takes haste. Thank you, Lord. 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 I want couples. Come on, that's it. Come on. Come on. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. You see, these badges mean we trust these people. We know these people. These people have been schooled in the Word of God, and they know how to pray. And if you're in this room today and you're a young couple, you're a family going through a struggle, you got children right now that you saw the revival, maybe even the Lord touched, how powerful would it be? Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're a college student. I believe that there are potters and I believe that there are caulkers. And I believe that God can use this ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit to seal you and what God seals, the enemy can't steal. So I'm going to ask you to stand all over the building. And I'm going to ask every person in this room, every couple in this room who needs God to touch you. You say, well, I'm not going to walk down there. People will think I have a problem. No, no, everybody's got a problem. Every family's got a problem. So if you have a need, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to let these elders lay their hands on you and pray for you. Maybe you're seeking the will of God. Maybe you're seeking God's plan. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you need that touch this morning. You're in the right service at the right time. Come on, come now. They're coming. Come on, come quickly, come quickly. Come from the back, come from the front, come from the overflow, wherever you are, whoever you are. I want everybody in this room to raise your hands and sing this song with it. ministering to people in their need. Come on. Come on. That's it. Keep coming. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Take my hands, Lord, my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Take my hand. Come on. Keep coming. Take my hand. 
Pray for more. Pray for more. Pray for others. Pray for more. Pray for more. Lay your hands on. Lay your hands on. Let him heal. Let him touch. Let him form. Let him fashion. every young person to raise your hands and say, Lord, you can use me as a potter in somebody's life, my friend, my brother, my sister, my child. Just lift those hands and say, God, use me. Use me in their life. Give me a fresh anointing for their life. Oh, if you can use can call it today. He can seal it with the Holy Spirit of promise.
touch them with your hands and pray one for another. He'll use you. He'll use you. Businessman, he'll use you, teacher. He'll use you, mechanic. Yes, he will. Take my hands. Take my hands. And my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. Just one more time, I promise. Everybody pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender completely to you. Here's my heart. Here's my hands. Here's my feet. Use me. Make me a potter. And make me a caulker. Teach me how to help people. Teach me how to keep my own boat afloat. I receive this. I'm forgiven. I'm washed. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The church said amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching by Jensen Franklin and thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Your prayers and financial support make these programs possible. For more information about this message and other ministry resources, visit us online at jensenfranklin.tv.